This is Beach Weekly. Listening to Season 11, Episode 11 of Beach Weekly, a podcast created and produced by Long Beach State's student-run newspaper, The Daily 49er. It's Monday, October 30th, and we're here with you on your walk to class, giving you the news you need to start your week. I'm your host, Leigh Madrigal. Keep listening for a special episode focusing on the Israel-Hamas war, its history, and its potential outcome. At Long Beach State, a group called Students for Justice in Palestine protested the Israeli occupation of the West Bank on October 25th with a walkout on campus. At the Central Quad at 1 p.m., about 150 protesters and observers gathered, including members of La Fuerza. Protesters were not answering questions or making statements to the media at all that day. One person shouted that the media should not bother asking questions to those who walked out. The protesters chanted and held signs that read, quote, from Palestine to Mexico, border walls have to go, end quote, and, quote, resistance against occupation is a human right, end quote. There were two counter-protesters at the Central Quad holding the flag of Israel and a sign that read, quote, Hamas equals Iran equals ISIS, end quote. Another counter-protester encountered the pro-Palestine group as they made their way towards the Go Beach sign. Over 100 campuses nationwide saw students leaving class to participate in the walkout. The walkout was first promoted by a student activism group called Dissenters. The group demands an end to Israel's siege on Gaza, an end to U.S. military funding for Israel, and an end to universities partnering with arms manufacturers that provide weapons to Israel. Dissenters states on social media that the CSU system invests in military defense equipment, Long Beach State has partnerships with various military defense contractors, such as Boeing and Raytheon. La Fuerza and Students for Justice in Palestine also arranged a vigil for after the walkout outside of Brotman Hall to honor the lives lost during the current Palestine-Israel conflict in the Middle East. A student read an excerpt from Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem, Sympathy. Others held signs and wrote chalk messages that commemorated the 5,887 people killed in the Israel-Hamas war. The vigil ended with chants saying, quote, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, end quote. Today we are joined with Aksa Lemma, a news assistant with the Daily 49er. She's here to explain what there is to know about the Israel-Hamas war, how it began in the first place, and where the war will possibly end up. Hi, Aksa. We're very excited to have you on the show today. Hi, Leigh. Thank you for having me. The two groups involved in this war, Israel and Hamas, who are they exactly? So Israel, modern-day Israel, was created in 1948 by the British Empire, and the circumstances around that was World War I, of course, and one of the empires on the Axis side of World War I was the Ottoman Empire, and they were a very powerful empire throughout history, but by the time World War I rolled around, they kind of lost momentum, and so losing World War I kind of defeated their empire and their power. And they had a bunch of territories. And so the allied powers, which were British, France, Greece, Russia, I think, they split up their territories between them. So they all claimed what territories they wanted control over. And the British Empire, which was really powerful back then, they took control over Palestine. And because there was a very large population of Jewish people that fought in favor of the allied troops, it was like, they deserved something, or they saw as they deserved something in reward. So that that's where this whole movement kind of started off. And so Hamas is a spinoff of the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. It's a militant group, but other countries have declared it a terrorist group. 
but they're the governing body of the Gaza Strip. A lot of people, they'll say things like, well, Palestinian people voted for Hamas, but it, that's not technically true. Palestine had one election, I think, and it was in 2006, and that's when Hamas won, and there hasn't been an election since. And the population of the Gaza Strip, at least 50% of the population, I think, are under 18. So the likelihood that the people alive in Gaza today voted for Hamas is not it's real. Yeah. Okay. And with knowing now a little bit more about the history of the conflict, where does it stem from originally? So when um, modern day Israel, when it was declared a state, I think that was May 1948, it wasn't like a simple, easy thing. Prior to that, the British Empire, the UN, they were all involved and they were years before they were encouraging Jewish people to move into Palestine. And officially that wasn't that wasn't Israel yet. And the demographics vastly changed over the years. It went from Jewish people only having a thousand people to now having hundreds of thousands. And the Arab majority there became feel like started to feel threatened because they have no say over these people who are immigrating to their country and they're a different religion as well. So before Israel was even created, there was fights and battles and things, nothing official like a war, but there was conflict. And so when Israel was first created, literally the day after they were created, the first Arab-Israeli war broke out. And the thing is, Israel had the support of, and still to this day has the support of the U.S., has the support of a lot of rich Western countries. So that's why, although Israel is only not even 100 years old to this day, it's one of the most quickly developing countries. They have a central education system. They have a central government. They have all these things. They have a booming economy, and that's due to allyship and help from the West that Palestine doesn't have because Israel had has a very good military and had militia, and they had firepower and all these things. They slowly began to push Palestinians farther and farther back and claim more and more land. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the maps like prior to the first Arab-Israeli war, Israel only had like a little land. And now when you look at what's considered Israel and what's considered Palestine, Palestine has the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, and that's it. And Israel has claimed like the rest of the the area. Yeah. And it's due to like just a war breaks out, Israel wins, they claim more, and it's like that. So the actual physical land where Palestine and Israel are, what's the significance of that? Because it's very important religiously and territory-wise, and just like, what is the significance of that land? Well, for Jewish people, the land is so important because it used to be ancient Israel, and according to the Bible, which not a lot of Jewish people follow, they follow the Torah, but it's similar in the Torah, Jewish people are God's chosen people, and so that land is really important to them because that's their holy land, and also the capital city is Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is home to the Al-Aqba Mosque, and it's also home to the Temple Mount or the Wailing Wall. Mm-hmm. And the Al-Aqba Mosque is the third holiest site in Islam, and the Temple Mount is the first holiest site in Judaism. And they're right in the same area. And it's an important journey in a Muslim's person's life to have a Mecca and to go on a pilgrimage. And Israel does have control over Jerusalem, so they kind of limit Palestinian access. And that's also an area of conflict because you're not allowing Muslims to go on this spiritual journey. But in addition to that, um, there's like Zionism that we're just throwing around. A lot of people say confuse Zionism with um, anti-Semitism. And Zionism is the belief in the Jewish people's right to their homeland and their their ancestral land of Israel. So regardless, the land is holy for both religions. Mm -hmm. And that's why 
it can be an area of conflict because religion is always always a conflict yeah so why was this area in particular chosen to create israel there was the historical significance of course um the religious significance but also israel wasn't the only like or palestine wasn't the only area in the running for where to build a jewish state there were three and dr stephen russo schindler is the one who who uh, let me know about this. He teaches the Israeli-Palestinian conflict class here at Long Beach State. But he said that Uganda was actually almost chosen as well. I don't know the reasoning behind that, but it's important to know that it wasn't it wasn't 100% always going to be that area where Israel was going to be created. There were other yeah. countries, but they ultimately ended up going with historic Palestine. That's interesting. So now knowing what territories belonged to Palestine before the British mandate, what territories belong to Palestine now? So what's officially considered Palestine under international law and what other countries consider Palestine is the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. And that's very different to what Palestine owned or had prior to, to all of this. It's important to know the borders as well. The West Bank is surrounded by Israel on three sides and Jordan on one side. And the Gaza Strip is surrounded by Israel on two sides, Egypt on one side, and the Mediterranean Sea on that that last side. And um, the Gaza Strip is very small. It's like 25 miles wide, I think. It's one of the most densely populated areas in the world because there's 2 million people essentially living in this very small place, packed. And the population of Gaza as well, it's like 47%, I think, are under 18. And when you like listen to interviews of of kids from Gaza, they say it's because no one grows up in Gaza because the the living, the quality of life is so low there that no one grows up. In Gaza, that's the area of Palestine that's run by Hamas. Hamas won an election in 2006. There hasn't been an election since, and they run the Gaza Strip. But the West Bank is completely separate from the Gaza Strip. Although they're both Palestinian territories, the West Bank is run by Israel it, it's, they say it's run by the Palestinian authorities, but it's run by Israel. IDF soldiers patrol the area, and um, they're in charge of what, what's going on in the West Bank. And um, you'll hear a lot of people call Gaza, the Gaza Strip an open-air prison. And the reason for that is because if something were to happen in the Gaza Strip and a Palestinian tries to escape, they can't because they're stuck there. Israel controls all borders. Egypt does have that border, but Egypt has a peace with Israel. so. They won't allow, if Israel's at war with the with Gaza, they won't allow Palestinians to escape through the Egyptian border. And then you have the sea, and, you know, what are Palestinians supposed to do? They're not going to swim out to the sea. Palestinians don't have easy access into Israel. In order to, for a Palestinian to go into Israel, you have to have a work permit. And those are hard to get. And um, same thing for the West Bank. So there's an official line or a boundary line called the green line and that's what international communities use to dictate what is considered israel and what's considered palestine and on a map it's red but i guess in in talk it's called the green line and that's what people will say okay this belongs to israel and this belongs to palestine but israel doesn't go based off that that green line and they built this security fence is a nice way of putting it a lot of people say apartheid wall but i guess for um civility sake i'll say security fence and they built this very tall barbed wire cinder block wall past israel israeli land technically it's um in palestinian land but in the west bank and in jerusalem palestinians are treated like second-class citizens 
There are specific roads that only Israelis can use and Palestinians can't use. Um, I think if uh, an Arab or a Palestinian is committed for a crime or, or they're arrested, they go to military court, while a Jewish person or Israeli person, they go to civil court. So already the stakes are higher for uh, a Palestinian if they get in trouble because you know you don't know what's going to happen to you. Then you have... There's like the topic of settlers. You hear the word Israeli settlers a lot. And that's because Israel will actually um, give certain incentives to Israeli settlers to get them to move into the West Bank. Because Israel's trying to slowly take more and more Palestinian land. So you'll have like, I think there's, I think the UN counted like 400,000 settlers in the past few years that are living in the West Bank. And that's illegal. Under international law, under the Geneva Convention, I don't know what article, maybe Article 4, it's illegal. So already Israel is breaking various international laws by having settlers in occupied Palestinian land. Um, But what's worse is they'll kick Palestinians out of their homes. You'll see whole neighborhoods being taken by Israeli settlers that just moved to Israel a year prior, a few months ago, and they'll take this home that Palestinian family or man or woman or person has had in their in their family for generations and mm-hmm. now it's no longer theirs and they have there's nothing they can do and that's why a lot of violence has been stirring up you have Israeli settlers you have this like the spirit of colonialism you have just how they're treated and so this violence didn't come out of nowhere like Hamas attacking um, the Israeli citizens, although the violence is bad and although we all condemn violence, it was, it didn't happen in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Like It was years and years and years of just injustice, inequality, segregation. So what is the current state of the Israel-Hamas war right now? The current state now is that I think more than, well, different reports say 2,800, but I think it's over 3,000 uh, people in Gaza have been killed. And I think Israel has dropped over 6,000 bombs. And after that, Israel announced a full blockade of Gaza. So currently that blockade is still in place. They're preventing food, water, and fuel from entering the area, which houses 2 million people. And the worst part about that is 10% of Gaza's water supply comes from Israel. The rest is local. And in order for them to be able to drink the water, it has to go through treatment centers to clean the water. But because they don't have electricity, because they don't have fuel, they're not able to treat the water. and 50% of Gaza's electricity comes from Israel as well. So them not having electricity is affecting the doctors and the health workers who are trying to help the wounded because now they're having to, like, operate on these people without clean water, electricity, and medical supplies because Israel is also blocking aid. I think Egypt has tried to send aid multiple times, but Israel is blocking the border. And the UN says that the Gaza Strip needs a minimum of 100 aid trucks per day and the Israeli military is only allowing around 20 per day. I don't know, I don't know what, what Israel's going to do. I don't know how long the Gaza Strip and the Palestinians can last. Mm-hmm. I do hope that it ends. But I, I know that punishing the entirety of Gaza for the actions of Hamas, that's wrong. Well, we appreciate getting a chance to learn from you and educate ourselves on such a prevalent topic. Thank you. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beach Weekly. And a special thank you to our editor, Julia Goldman, and our producers, L. Nicklin and Aiden Swanepoel. As always, if you want to read up on some of the stories covered today, along with so much more, you can head over to our website, daily49er.com. And to make sure you're up to date with everything that happens on the Long Beach State campus, you can follow our socials at Daily49er. 
We appreciate you listening and you'll hear from me again next week.